The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Café. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. we got a fantastic show in store for you today. We've got three guests lined up at the table. Let's take a look at who we've got. We've got Mark Fox. Now, Mark Fox is the chairman of the three affiliated tribes in Fort Berthold Indian Reservation. He's a MHA nation, if you will. They're up there. And in this interview, we did a Mandaree, North Dakota, where... A new building was dedicated, a $2 million Head Start facility on the reservation. Nicest building by a mile going on up there. And it was a fantastic event. Crestwood Midstream Partners was there uh, dedicating it. The CEO was there, as well as a lot of uh, dignitaries from the state, etc. And this was quite a deal. This was quite a big ordeal because it was investing in the children's education. And that is something very important on the tribe, uh, very important on the reservation with the tribe. They want to make sure that the investments that happen can empower, empower, not just, you know, put a new street sign up or whatever the heck. No, we want they want to empower, like educating so the next generation has the knowledge to bring the others out from uh, where they're at still, honestly, where, where a lot of the uh, tribals are. And he gets into it a little bit, like 80% of the people in the uh, reservation do not get mineral rights. So this is their way of saying everybody's going to benefit in some way. So really good interview. Mark Fox, the chairman, MHA Nation, three affiliated tribes, Fort Berthold Indian Reservation, coming up in just a bit here on the Multimedia Cafe. Who else we got? Ann Hafner. Did you know, little Cliff Clavenism here, did you know the last time that I checked, four years ago, so it's been a while since I've checked this stat, firefighters in America, 85% of fire departments in the United States are volunteer. Now, we're going to talk to Ann Hafner about an ambulance service out in Kildeer, North Dakota. They're like 45 miles from the nearest hospital. So, I mean, it ta- it's a 45-minute it's a to an hour drive just if you break your leg and you need an ambulance. So, uh, they, they got a donation from Marathon Oil to get some new hydraulics for their ambulance service. So, we talk a little bit about that. Then we kind of, like I said, get into the emergency services thing. That is my stat when I do interviews. Like when I'm interviewing somebody in emergency services, I'll pull out that little stat from five years ago, four years ago that I knew that 85% of firefighters in America are volunteer. Think about that, folks. I mean, we've gone to the moon and we haven't figured out a way to make fire protection part of our government services, but we'll give every developer in America millions and millions of dollars, but we haven't figured out fire protection yet. 
that's one of those examples of why we do not get political here at the Multimedia Cafe because these are the topics we, we like to talk about is that. And, and we find that a lot of people don't like to talk about our topics. You know, like why is firefighting still a volunteer thing? I mean, this is, to me, this is, uh, this is up there with roads and, and police protection and everything. A fire protection, emergency services in terms of uh, ambulance and that sort of thing. When you start looking at these types of things, it's amazing that we haven't progressed in those areas in terms of uh, making it more accessible for the average person. It's, it's quite remarkable, especially when you know people like Paris Hilton, the heiress to the Hilton um, hotels, she was popular back in the 2000s with a sex tape. That's how she got her popularity. Imagine that. That's how you get your fame. Not because your parents are successful business people. No, she didn't get her fame until after that SEX tape. So uh, anyway, she gets tax dollars, or she did. So that's imagine if, uh, you know, the Belfouche Fire Department got it instead of Paris Hilton. So, well, boy, did we certainly... Leave the boy. I tell you, I'm a little bit like Moses this morning. My talking can part the Red Sea. Boy, I walk right into a room and I part the room the way I'm talking this morning. I just seem to be going on and on. All right, so we're gonna have Mark Fox on in just a bit. Ann Hafner, uh, like I said, she's with the Killdeer uh, Emergency Services up there in the Bakken. They have a lot, like something like 680 calls last year for a small little. T- area i mean that's incredible and or maybe that's up to this year so far i you're gonna have to stay tuned for the interview because it's fantastic all that plus much much more i think we might have a surprise or two for you a little bit later in the hour so i'll tell you what let's get to our first interview here and who is our first interview it is oh looks like logan edmondson with tulsa tube bending like i said you never know what we're going to talk about or who's going to stop by here at the Multimedia Cafe. And looks like we're going to spend a couple minutes talking about bending tubes. Jason, I, uh, I really appreciate you having me on today. Uh, yeah, so we are in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That is our one and only shop. And what is it you guys are doing there, tube bending? Obviously, yes, you're bending tubes, but talk to me a little bit about <laughs> some uh, industries and some ways those are applicable. Start out with the oil and gas industry, and then do you guys do other industries too? Oh, absolutely. So, Jason, our our bread and butter uh, uh, is the oil and gas industry. Um, crude and natural gas transmission pipelines, um, you know, is kind of is kind of where we try to push everything towards. Um, you know, when the market is slow, which, as we all know, it it, it does fluctuate. Um, we do dive into, into other industries. You know, we've done multiple projects for just a few examples. Up, uh, you know, we've done paper mills we've done field goal posts for uh, college and nfl stadiums we've gone done signs for um, you know highway and and you know text dot o dot i mean you name it there's been there's been multiple projects that are that go outside the oil and gas industry um but yes i mean if if, if there's a if there's a piece of tube that needs bent for any and all projects uh, we are definitely a a go-to person for that. How does that matter, the bending of a tube? So, you know, a lot of times, especially when it comes to oil and gas, um, you know, a line can only go so far before it has to make a bend. At some point, it's, it's got to make a 90, it's got to make a 45, it's got to, you know, heck, make a make an 11 and a quarter bend. Um, 
you can't always use a fitting in those situations. You know, a lot of times, you know, companies will get an off the shelf uh, fitting um, and it just, it doesn't always work. Um, so what we do is we actually provide a bin, uh, a bin has a tangent, which for those that don't know pipeline or bins, uh, you know, tangent is the, is the straight part of a bend. Uh, and then we can actually bevel those ends to where the fit, the bend gets out to the, to the field and you have a string of welders going down. I mean, they can, they can set it up and weld it on the spot. I mean, it's, it's, it's ready. It is, we are a very welder friendly, uh, company. So how many different shale plays are you guys in located in Tulsa? So we ship nationwide. I mean, we've shipped at least one project, uh, in every state. Um, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but I know, I believe it was in either 94 or 95. Uh, we actually bent our one millionth bend. So we've done, I mean, so we've been around since 1958, 61 years. Um, we're still a family owned company. Uh, Brad Frank, as actually our owner, uh, and then Laura Oski is our is our current president. Um, but roughly sixty employees, uh, very very small company. But and that was Logan Edmondson with Tulsa Tube Bending. To listen to the full length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. From a summer breeze. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we talk with Mark Fox, the chairman of the MHA Nation with the three affiliated tribes out of Fort Berthold Indian Reservation. In the interview, Mandaree, North Dakota. Name for a mic level check. My name is Mark Fox, the chairman of the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Rick Round Nation. And we are here today in Mandaree, North Dakota. Actually, it wouldn't be North Dakota. It would be the uh, well, Fort Berthold 
Indian it, Reservation. It's the Fort Berthold Indian Reservation, but it is uh, located in Mandaree, North Dakota, and that's uh, that's was recognized as well. Uh, Mark Fox, what, what is it that you are officially the title of of your um, leadership role here? Well, I'm the chairman. I'm the elected chairman of the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Rikara Nation. Uh, Fort Berthold is about a million acre reservation. Uh, half of that held in trust uh, by the federal government. Um, I lead a council of about seven members, six uh, districts, uh, one representative from each district, and I'm elected at large, and that's my job. Talk to me about your relationship with the oil and gas community. Judging by what I witnessed today, it seems like you have a very good relationship. You know, you know, we have a, I just have to be candid about it. We have a very good relationship with a number of oil industry partners. But, of course, you know, we live in the real world, which sometimes uh, you don't get those good partnerships with all of them. But nevertheless, today we're celebrating a very positive relationship with one of the primary uh, midstream companies on Fort Berthold, and that's uh, the Crestwood Company. One of the things that I've talked with um, Missouri River Resources CEO David Williams about is there's a unique time happening right now in the Native American community with connection with the oil to where the investments, like we're seeing today with Crestwood, with the $2 million building here, the head start. It's empowering gener- it's empowering the communities, not just yes. lifting them, it's empowering generations. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's you know this whole thing with the, our choice, our choices of a nation to to develop our energy resources. Uh, you know, and that doesn't that not uh, a given across Indian country. There there are a number of tribes who don't endorse or who don't support uh, energy development of their own resources. Ours does. Our nation, uh, the, allot- the allotted uh, portions to individuals as well as uh, the tribe as a whole, we do support uh, development of oil and gas, one of our resources here. But it, it's really about it's about uh, a benefit as well. So about 80% of our people are not significant beneficiaries of oil and gas, 80%. They don't get monthly royalty checks from an oil company, they don't have uh, mineral resources. So they rely on what the tribe does. And, and, and so if the tribe is, has taken the resources collectively on their behalf and we're managing it with jobs, economic opportunity, revenue, uh, we take those things and we build what I said, tangible benefits. When they see uh, infrastructure in the ground, they see programs, educational, medical, health insurance, all these different things. When, when those individuals in particular who don't stand a benefit directly from oil and gas uh, realize that they, they benefit as a whole, uh, as a part of the whole, then it really it sells well uh, in, in the endorsement of our people. One of the things that caught my attention was on our programs, we talk about the energy investment in the communities. Um, that was mentioned today, but then there was the caveat that you didn't let the other energy companies off the hook that we're not investing in their communities. We have a lot of uh, energy enthusiasts and executives that listen to these programs. What kind of message do you want to be left with for those who do not mm-hmm. invest in the communities? Because the, the, like what Crestwood is doing today is tremendous. You guys were very grateful for, for their investment, but you're not letting everyone else off the hook. Agreed. Uh, we, we can't. Uh, and that's the way business is done, not only in the United States, but around the world. You know, companies come in and they, they reap a, a, a benefit, right? Um, they reap a benefit by, by uh, interacting on development of a, of a resource. 
And so for our situation here, we've got, like I said, some, some companies like Crestwood, today we're celebrating millions of dollars investment into uh, something that doesn't necessarily mean a direct benefit back to how they operate, but in general shows their investment into the community, shows their investment into the, the public and into what goes on there. And so, but we have a number of companies who do not. And, and, and it's just been uh, so tough uh, working and coordinating with some of them to say, you know, if you want to be part of what we've got going on here, if you want to have a vision of long-term economic benefit, you need to interact and you need to do those types of things because that's what we're forced to do as tribal governments. As a tribal government, we have to take those revenues that we realize and benefit and we create that benefit. So without that in place, you know, it's really difficult. If it's just one side is doing it and the other is not, it's hard to build things. And, and these are multi-million dollar projects. So oftentimes you see the tribe having to phase things out, maybe one, two, and three-year phases, because as much as there, people might think there's an endless supply of, of revenue here, uh, it, we've done well as far as revenue, but it, it's not what people sometimes imagine. So the, the resources are still limited, but we're trying to build that infrastructure. So the message today you heard, and you always hear me, uh, whether it's in Bismarck, North Dakota, or Washington, D.C., you know, put up or shut up. Or more, more likely, if you're just here to make a quick buck and to flip that, well, why don't you flip it today and, 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 and allow us uh, to work with somebody who's more willing to invest into the community, is more long-term thinking, and that's how we positively benefit. So on the flip side of that, we're here today celebrating a building dedication, a Head Start building dedication. The symbolism behind that's tremendous to start with the, yeah. the, the pre-K, the youth. Uh, talk to me about the investment that Crestwood has made in the community and how the community has responded. I think that the community has responded really well. You see that today, and I think you're going to see uh, great appreciation continue to grow. As the children come here in August, you know, a uh, little later, later part of August, and all the families who may not be able to stand here today, they're going to be standing around, they're going to come in and say, wow, this is nice, my child is happy, they're learning things. You're going to see that, that, that support and that enthusiasm grow. And so, you know, uh, I don't want to ever take that for granted. Uh, what Crestwood has done here has really been significant, and, and I, I, I want to uh, uh, mention that, that it's no small thing. And uh, our nation, because we're also always struggling to do things and build things, when you get a company like Crestwood who comes in and says, we understand you've got so much to, to build, you have so many things that need to be fixed, so to speak, uh, things that need to be uh, developed, uh, when they come in and say, we're going to help you with that, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. So. Mr. Mark Fox, chairman of the MHA Nation, I'm going to ask you to hold your thought for just a moment or two. We continue the conversation here in just a moment with Mark Fox, chairman of the MHA Nation, three affiliated tribes, Fort Berthold Indian Reservation. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe.
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. So here's to all of the good thinkers and here's to the lonely drinker but don't you know welcome back to the multimedia cafe my name is jason spies thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the multimedia cafe a place where you never know who you're gonna run into or what we're gonna talk about coming up next we continue the conversation with mark fox chairman of the mha nation three affiliated tribes of the Fort Berthold Indian Reservation. And uh, our nation, because we're also always struggling to do things and build things. When you get a company like Crestwood who comes in and says, we understand you've got so much to, to build. You have so many things that need to be fixed, so to speak, uh, things that need to be uh, developed. Uh, when they come in and say, we're going to help you with that, it, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. So. Quite a few dignitaries showed up. This seems like a pretty big deal for a town of... How big's Mandaree? Well, you know, right here by community members, there's less than a thousand people. Here I, I was going to say three hundred. Yeah. Sorry, to, there, there's more. Okay. Uh, you, know, you know, I think but the population is between six and seven hundred people okay. in the outlying outlying areas. It's spread out a little bit. Yeah. It's spread out a little bit, yeah. but you know that it's less than a thousand, and so it's a small community, a tight knit community. Uh, community, but at the same time, you know, it's one that's in the heart of the bucket. And I brought this up a year ago and a half a year ago. You know, what, what Mandaree is today is obviously changed from what it was 10 years ago, but where Mandaree will be 10 and 20 years from now is really significant. And we can't make the mistake of, of thinking that, well, maybe it grows, maybe it don't, we'll just go one day at a time. I believe that there's going to be continued growth, and if there's going to be continued growth, which I believe there is, and I think most do, then you got to put the supporting infrastructure in place as well. Education, fire protection, we're going to be building a brand new uh, fire hall and emergency response center as well. All these things that you see in bigger cities, we've got to put them in the ground and then expand out. Mm -hmm. But it, it doesn't do any sense to bring uh, a thousand more people in or thousands after this uh, with houses and what have you, but not have the infrastructure. We've got to have that first. Final thoughts here. I like to leave interviews so the guests can take it whatever direction they want, so it's not framed by me. So if you want to reiterate something or we left something out or kind of the floor is yours, sir. I appreciate that. I think the most significant thing here is, you know, when, when, when people, you know, listen to tribes and tribal nations talk about their plights and, and how they, you know, trying to uh, develop and, and trying to undo things that have been done uh, to tribal nations for the last hundred years and failed U.S. policy. We all know that most reservations suffer economically, socially, and 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 by medical, uh, you know, disproportionate effects on our our, our population. 
Uh, we suffer greatly on a reservation. And now you have this reservation taking its resources, valuable resources, and trying to build something and, and, and address that. But what we have here today is uh, this Head Start, this preschool institution that we uh, have, have partnered with uh, an oil company on, uh, that's going to make all the difference. As I was saying outside, the big difference is with our children. You know, if you want to talk about changing a nation, our tribal nation, you want changing our economy, changing how we live, changing this social economic poverty that many tribes dwell in, you have to start with the young people. That's where it starts. As adults, we can, we can, we can, you know, mull our way through things at times, you know, and survive. But if you're really talking to make effective, long-term, positive change, it starts with the little ones, and that's what we're celebrating today. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate your time. And that was Mark Fox, chairman of the MHA Nation, three affiliated tribes, Fort Berthold Indian Reservation. In that interview, we conducted in Mandaree, North Dakota, after a building dedication from Crestwood for a brand new Head Start facility. To check out the full-length interview or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Multimedia Cafe. Just to hear their own voice. Those people tried to accuse my father, said he made the wrong choice. Though it might be painful, you know that time will always tell. Those people have long since gone, my father never fell. Even when the rain falls. Even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Even when the earth crumbles under my feet Even when the ones I love Turn around and crucify me I won't ever ever let you down I won't fall, I won't fall Even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water, even when the rain falls. Jason Speece, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts. 
and then you will let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Hello, my name is Otis with the Kids of Capitalism KidCast, and today we're here with Mike Henderson, uh, Vice President, right? Vice President of Marathon Oil. We're going to ask you a couple questions. Is that okay? All right. Absolutely. Uh, What was your first job, Mr. Henderson? So my first job was a facilities engineer. So what that means is I would go and look after all of the equipment that was offshore. So my first job was in Aberdeen, Scotland. It wasn't in North Dakota. So it would be spent maybe spending two weeks offshore in an oil rig, um, maintaining things, trying to make things work, etc., etc. So that was my first job. All right. Uh, why is the energy industry a good place for entrepreneurs? It's opportunity rich. It's a great place to, to, to make money if you've got ideas, if you think you can do things differently. Um, it's, it's a very changing industry as well. I mean, we never stand still. We're always moving forward. And if, if folks think that they can bring something to the table to help our companies move forward, we are very open to, to suggestions, recommendations, whatever. And, and that's maybe what the, the opportunity that it creates for, for entrepreneurs. All right. Uh, what advice do you have for young entrepreneurs like myself? Stay at school. Get a college degree. All right. And... I would probably focus on maybe something in the STEM uh, environment, you know, whether that's in engineering or something along those lines. That would be my recommendation because I found that being an engineer, it's probably easier to to move to get an understanding of the business side, how the business works, versus if I were maybe business focused and coming in trying to understand maybe some of the technical stuff, it would have been a little bit more challenging. So. You know, that would be my recommendation, is get a good foundation and you can really then develop the, the business skills. That's probably easier as you after graduating. All right. Well, I think that concludes our interview. Thank you very much, sir, for Thank taking you. time out of your day and doing our interview. Uh, greatly appreciate it. All right, cut the camera. Well done. <laughs> Over the past few months, I've told you about how unbelievable Hatch coaching is. Well, don't just take my word for it. Listen to what Greg Tavine of Emerging Prairies has to say about Hatch coaching. When you get Eric Hatch involved in something, you get 100% of them. You get him, you get his team, you get his family, now you get his kids. This is a guy that puts his heart into his work. What I really appreciate about Eric is his vulnerability. And there's times he hits home runs, and there's times where maybe it doesn't go the way everybody hoped. But I've always respected how much he loves his work. I got to watch him give a talk at TEDx Brookings, where he gave a talk. And I saw him come into his own, where he shared uncomfortable things from his past in a way that created a teaching environment. It's been said that if you want to create competition tell everyone your success and if you want to create compassion share your weaknesses and eric's somebody that could easily lead with all he's accomplished and it's a long list to find out more about hatch coaching or to have eric hatch speak at your event or company visit hatchcoaching.com that's hatchcoaching.com or call 701-212-1572 that's 701-212-1572
Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we talk with Ann Hafner with the Killdeer Area Ambulance. Ann Hafner, Killdeer Area Ambulance Service. Thank you very much for joining the program here today. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk a little bit about a donation that you've received and if you want to mention other donations, too, you certainly can. But uh, first off, let's start with the donation. Uh, recently, I saw on social media, you guys received a nice uh, donation during a, a community appreciation night. Can you give me a little more information than what I'm just uh, reciting off of a social media post? Uh, sure. That donation was a $15,000 donation we got from Marathon Oil um, to help us replace one of the hydraulic cots we carry on our ambulances. Okay, so there's actually a specific need for the donation, huh? Yeah, yeah. They, um, they've been really good to us, Marathon Oil has, and they open up a, a donation for us just, just about every August I've applied for the last six or seven years. Um, and they've always responded positively. They've given us uh, close to $100,000 in donations since I've been here. How's the oil industry been overall outside of Marathon? Has other companies been stepping up and, and donating to the uh, Kildeer Area Ambulance? Um, we have some regular donors who have been very supportive. Um, Hess, um, from their affiliate, Hess Bakken Services, um, helped us purchase an ambulance. Um, they've, gosh, they've given us uh, similar amounts, pretty close to $100,000. Um, we have uh, XTO Energy is very faithful we receive some some money from them every summer um conoco phillips um gosh i'm trying to think of them wpx there's a lot of oil companies out here that uh, are helping us but none as substantially as marathon and house one of the things that the crude life likes to point out and correct me if my numbers are wrong uh, i was just corrected in wyoming last week apparently their numbers are 93 percent but Generally, nationwide, 85% of, of firefighters are volunteer, and I think that's true with emergency services for the most part when you, when you start talking about area ambulances and that sort of thing. Talk to me a little bit about the volunteer side, and if you do know what some of those numbers are when it comes to your organization and maybe even some of the you know, firefighters too. I can tell you about our organization. I, I can't speak to you about the fire departments in other towns. I can tell you that West Dunn Fire Department, which is the one that serves our area and most of Dunn County, um, is all volunteer. Um, Kildare Ambulance is, is probably about half and half. Um, right before the boom started, the ambulance service was 100% volunteer in Kildare. And as uh, the new oil jobs came in town and the community got busier and busier, um, it was hard to get volunteers, and most of the volunteers we had here aged out. We have a very difficult time um, getting a lot of volunteers, and we wouldn't be running at our current level of service if we had to rely specifically on volunteers. Um, for the state of North Dakota, I can tell you overall volunteerism is down. Every time I go to a regional or a state EMS meeting, they're talking about how volunteerism is down and how the ambulance services are going to continue to function at the levels their community wants them to be at without the volunteers. So more and more services are becoming combination services like ours, which is a combination of career personnel and volunteer personnel. And the emergency services, what is that? Or you're the ambulance service, area ambulance. Has, 
is is different than the fire department? Sure. Do you guys have the same uh, buildings, separate buildings? I, I'm sure every community is different. Talk to me just about the um, relationship, I guess, with the emergency services, because I'd imagine out in the rural areas, you guys probably, I mean, talk a little bit. Oh, yeah, we do a lot with West End Fire Department. Um, some of the firefighters are also ambulance volunteers in, in Dunn County. Um, the uh, ambulance service and the fire departments function separately. We're both um, uh, tax, uh, tax, taxing entities in the county. Um, the voters were really good to us several years ago when they formed taxing districts, ambulance and fire taxing districts. We're both run by boards. They're separate boards. Um, the boards are elected from the community. Um, but we do a lot of things together, even though we're funded differently. Uh, we have to be able to work together or it w we wouldn't be able to function. Um, from what I know, most of the rural ambulance services in the state of North Dakota are separate than the rural fire departments that serve the same communities. Yeah, I think you're right on that as well. I know that they were looking at some some emergency substations, if you will, kind of where they would share in certain areas, especially out in the Bakken when you get into some of the rural areas. And, you know, you have some sort of geographical challenges talk to me about your geographical challenges you have i mean i've interviewed people to where you know they they've been in an accident and they wonder if it might take 45 minutes for an ambulance to come that sort of thing talk to me about some of these challenges you guys have out in the rural areas in in western north dakota especially the mckenzie county stark county dunn county uh williams and montreal uh the areas that encompass the the badlands and all the oil um the terrain can be very difficult. Uh, you know, most of the highways are two-lane highways. Um, a lot of the surface roads are still scoria gravel. Um, the terrain can be rough. We have, you know, believe it or not, mountains in western North Dakota. They're not big mountains, but um, it can take a long time to, to get to some of these oil field sites. It can take a long time still to get to some of the ranches um, where, our, where our community members live. Um, one of the biggest problems we face here in Dunn County, though, is that dearest hospital is is in Dickinson, and uh, if from the, the front door of the ambulance service to the doors of the emergency room, it's about 36 miles, um, so it's about 45 minutes. When we go further out north to where most of the oil wells are, uh, we're going to be going an hour, an hour and 15 minutes just from picking up that patient to getting to the hospital. Um, so it requires us to have uh, very good equipment very good vehicles um, and highly trained personnel because we're probably going to be one of the ambulance services that has to give patient care, pre-hospital patient care, uh, longer and more in-depth than, than the other ambulance services. And that was Ann Hafner with the Killdeer Area Ambulance. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. That's going to do it this week, folks. I'd like to thank Ann Hafner from the Kildeer Area Ambulance for coming on today's program. Mark Fox, chairman of the three affiliated tribes of the Fort Berthold Indian Reservation, the MHA Nation. And Logan Edmondson with Tulsa Tube Bending. I'd like to thank all three of you for coming on today's program here at the Multimedia Cafe. We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. And for those of you streaming us on the internet or maybe you've downloaded us on a podcast like iTunes, thank you very much for choosing us as part of your content. Now they ask me to ask you to leave comments if you're doing it online, but you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask you to do that. I'm gonna point it out like I just did, but asking somebody for that's not my style. 
And they even say, leave good comments. And that's even worse. Leave a comment. Don't leave a, leave a comment. Here at the Multimedia Cafe, we like when people live their life. We don't like to tell them how to think. And we don't like to tell them how to feel. So we like to give them information to process, to become their eyes and their ears, if you will, in this busy, busy world. We just want to give them a little bit of assistance. That's why we bring you exclusive interviews. That's why we bring you topics that are just off the wall at times, because that is something that we like to do here at the Multimedia Cafe. All right, from the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. There's no breaks in the place It's just you and me, baby Singing it like we did in the good old days Yeah, we're singing it like they did in the good old days Because we're back to the way The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you. And the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 